Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thank you for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Michael Brown, CEO of Skyline Robotics, a window cleaning technology company that's raised $10 million in funding. Michael, thanks for chatting with me today. Hey, thanks for having me. I have to say, you're the first company I've ever had on that's in the window cleaning technology space. It uh, seems somewhat <laughs> random. How'd you, uh, how'd you make your way into the window cleaning technology space? Well, I just exited a, uh, a sale of a company that I was running, and I was looking for something disruptive, something in the robotics field. And I was literally driving down the West Side Highway in New York, looked up at Hudson Yards, and I said, I cannot believe that they are cleaning these buildings by hand. And I went and did a global search, and I was able to find what I thought would be the best way forward for the technology uh, for this vertical space, and was able to get a deal done and started December of 20. That's awesome. And what was the company before? What was the industry? I'm guessing it wasn't window cleaning or robotics? No, no, no. That was in distribution and services. So we had a B2B office supply company, national in scope. We were selling, I don't know, 110,000 different products to offices, mostly law offices and hospitals, because we were able to bundle other services, such as coffee rake room service and uh printed products and promotional products. So when we went in to the customer, we became their one throat to choke. Mm, got it. That's fascinating. Now let's dive a bit deeper into you know, who you are, a few questions that just help us better understand who you are. So first one, is there a CEO that you really admire? And if so, who is it? And what do you admire about them? I actually am a big fan of Elon Musk. I love his passion. He's no BS. And you know he's just trying to get it done. And uh, he's got great vision. And I just think he really gets it. Yeah, that's such a good call out. And I, um, it's so crazy and a little bit sad, I think, for society that that's a controversial take today. Because if you yeah. um, really just look at what he's done and you know everything he's built, you have to admire him. And if you look at Musk and you just think negative stuff, it's just a, a waste of mental space, I think, because there's so much positive stuff you can learn and so many things that you can be inspired by. Look what this guy is doing. I mean, forget about the Twitter nonsense. But I mean, this other, I mean, SpaceX, I mean, the neuro thing. Yeah, he's just a very impressive person. Yeah, I thought it was a bit comical. Yeah, all of the uh, the critics that he has, you know, maybe they're you know, college kids who are interning at a you know, media outlet criticizing this guy. And whenever I see that criticism, I just have to wonder, like, what are you thinking? You know, like, if you just look at his track record, his track record speaks for itself. Like, He's not really someone that I would ever want to bet against, even if I don't agree with every single thing he does. It just seems crazy to ever bet against him. You know, there was a saying that said, never bet against someone that believes in something that you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and in his case, you know, there were a lot of people, you know, on the car and everything. He's just, he, listen, I mean, what he did with SpaceX in itself. Is mm -hmm. insane. Yeah, Revolutionized sure, yeah. the world. And I believe what he's 
I mean, if I were him, he's starting to build robots. I would just send all the robots to Mars and let them build everything. <laughs> I love it. What about books, Michael? Is there a specific book that's had a major impact on you? And this can be a business book or just a personal book that influenced how you view the world? Yeah, you know, I really enjoy Tom Clancy books. I just like to lose myself in the books rather than, I mean, obviously I do reading on industry stuff and things of that nature. But when it comes to trying to escape, trying to go back to the basics with a book that has been where I've been going. That's what I've been doing a lot lately. And, you know, I've given up on reading like business books before I go to bed because I just end up yeah. getting super fired up and then I can't sleep. So I've been doing a lot of like just adventure books and just really just any random book I can use to, as you just described, like almost to distract my brain to put it at ease so I can finally get some sleep as opposed no, to being I'm, wired up. No, 100%. I used to literally sit there and my phone was charging next to me and I would be sitting there and be like, oh, and then I would put notes down and then I would think about, cause I would forget in the morning. So I hope you start writing things down cause I was always thinking about business, but yeah, this has helped me at least try to get a little more balance. If you had to choose one of Tom Clancy's books, what would it be? I guess love Tom throughout October, love some of all fears. They're all, you know, I just love the character and I love how he has literally seven different stories going on simultaneously. And then they all come together as one. All right. Well, I'll add that to my list and I'll, uh, I'll start reading them next week and I'll, uh, I'll report back to you and let you know how it goes. All right. All right, Michael. Now let's switch gears a bit and let's talk about Skyline Robotics. So I know we covered the origin story there a little bit. So let's just talk about the window cleaning industry. For the last sure. 13 years now, I have lived in high rises in San Francisco and New York City and San Diego. And about once a month, I always walk out and I'm just shocked to see someone out there, you know, in the window cleaning. And it's always a bit creepy. I never know if I should smile and acknowledge them or like what I should do. And whenever I've seen that, I just think to myself, this feels very outdated. It feels very barbaric, but feels like it's probably a really big business. So can you talk to us just about how big the window cleaning industry is for skyscrapers and tall buildings? Sure, sure. So the industry is about a $40 billion industry globally. You know, it's interesting that everyone's an independent. There's no like national company out there. So it's hard to get. I've seen numbers from 60 billion down to 20 billion. So we hit the middle and said it's 40 billion. Just for context, how many buildings are in the addressable market just in New York City where you're based? So in this market for the existing environment, there are over a thousand buildings that we consider skyscrapers that we would like to tackle. And are you one of the first companies to really bring disruption and change to this space? Or like, how has the way that windows are cleaned evolved in the past 50 years? Like, has there been any big technological innovation since? Yeah, so that it's a great question because there's been technology that's been brought to window cleaning for the last 15, 20 years. Most of what came out was almost like, uh, if you think of a car wash, it was like a spinning brush and they would drop it down the side of the building and that was their attempt to clean it. The problem was that once you hit a ledge, you're not getting the top of the windows and you're not getting the bottom of the windows. So they were really only getting the middle of the windows. So it was always like they were getting 60% of the window clean. So 
that technology really hasn't worked out well. There has been other technologies that have come out that almost look like a lawnmower without the handles. So it's like this flat thing with little wheels and it goes along the side of the building and it does some cleaning. That's very applicable to smaller buildings. But when you're talking about the World Trade Center, (laughs) I mean, this building is over 400 meters tall. The window cleaner that they use is probably the size of, I don't don't know, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, and it weighs 10 pounds. And it's just beyond unrealistic for the skyscraper industry. So right now we have not seen anything where they're utilizing the current infrastructure of the building. And what everyone's doing is they're trying to bring out an attachment. And to go up there and have it brought onto the building and they'll go down and and they'll attach it. And the issue is that skyscrapers have harnessing systems, they have scaffolding systems, and there's insurance and the buildings just don't want to have any types of issues. So when something is not looking industrial, it's probably not going to work well in that type of environment. And can you talk to me about the job market of the current people who are out there cleaning windows? Because I have to imagine it's not a highly sought after position that people want to have unless they're uh, maybe daredevils or just looking for a rush. But what's that job market look like and the the demographics of the people who are taking these jobs? Like, sure, demand growing or is it shrinking or what's the state of the market? So the state of the market is you have 76% of all window cleaners being over the age of 40. And with development over the last 10 years of 176% growth in skyscrapers, you can imagine there's more windows and you have less people doing the job. This traditionally, at least in New York, is really a union labor job. We're working with the union. They are being trained and upskilled to become robotic technicians. So they're very happy about that. However, if right now, our dealer who cleans windows and utilizes our technology reached out to the local union for someone to come work. There is no one there. And there is, I would say, probably a 40% miss on contracts of cleaning. So usually, you know, you get two cleanings a year on a big building in New York. Those buildings are getting one. Now, someone says, Okay, we just saved money. We only cleaned it once. Not that big of a deal. The structure and the integrity of the structure is deteriorating whenever there are, you know, minerals and other things on the building. So it's important that these buildings get clean. Number one, it's also important given, you know, what's going on in the window technology world. They're doing a lot of stuff for ESG and so forth. And I think it's important that there's transparency to be able to see this. I like your choice of words. Transparency, the ability to see this, it all ties back to Windows. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you're obviously a disruptive company. This is very disruptive technology. And, And when you have disruption, there's people who oppose it and they're against it. So who opposes this and you know, who stands to lose market share in the long run and who stands to be displaced if this you know, technology or when this technology does get fully adopted? 
Yeah. So I think the biggest people that would be naysayers are we have exclusive deals in markets. So for instance, we are only platinum in New York is our only dealer. So their customers that they currently have will be able to have access to it. And what we believe is going to happen that's kind of already happened is that people that don't have the ability to utilize our robot are going to the people that do have it. Mm. So competition, competition for the local window cleaner that doesn't have this exclusive has a bit of an issue to contend with. Makes a lot of sense. Or they just need to find something else that will work. But right now, I just haven't seen anything work. And... Can you share any numbers just in terms of adoption that you've seen so far? Sure. So our dealer has a robot in New York that we use for demos. Those demos that we did in New York were for Silverstein and the Durst organization. Those demos then turned into either a direct investment into the business or them incorporating us into their plan for cleaning in the future. So we've had, so from just interest, when we come, we do the demo, the demo seals the deal. I'm hoping to get out of the demo business because it's a little expensive way to have to show your product. But I think once we make some announcements on some new construction projects that we're working on in New York, I think it will just be game over. Well, it seems like it's a no brainer, right? If you're a a developer why would you not want to have this done by a machine instead of having you know people out there and, and the risk and liability that comes with that? Oh my God, I must tell you, it is not a good job to have as it relates to just, it's really dangerous. And the outdoor environments, being outdoors in a tin can, a thousand feet in the air, and it could be 120 degrees with the sun hitting off the glass, I mean, it's crazy. People, you know, I was up there this past summer for the demos. I mean, I, I, I was sweating and dehydrated. And on an eight-hour shift, at best, these guys are getting four hours of working. Wow, crazy. Now, something else I want to dig a bit deeper on, and, and you touched on it there. You know, when I think of window cleaning, I just think about it for the aesthetics. And the, you know, I want the windows to be clean in my building. Like, that just, you know, makes sense. But You were talking about it there as it's more or it's a deeper problem, right? It's structural and the damage that's done to the building can put the building at risk. Is that how I understand it? That's 100% correct. Right. So that's why a buildings in New York are getting inspected every five years because listen, you have pollution, you have, you name it, flying all over the place and then getting on to these facades and it is wearing away slowly. I mean, it's not ocean water that we have here in New York, so we don't have, you know, like what was going on in Miami, but there is structural problems that happen, especially on the super tolls, because, you know, it's not getting cleaned enough and you've got dirt and grime and dirt and grime equals, you know, problems. So the HOA is not just doing it out of the kindness of their heart and the desire to keep things looking clean. They want to keep the building standing for as long as possible, too. 100% and understand this. It's their asset, right? It's their whole business. Something else I want to dig a bit deeper on, and you you touched on it there. You said something about 
ESG requirements with these buildings. But I'm a bit confused there. How do we bridge that gap then? How does this go from you know ESG to window cleaning? What's that tie-in? Can you walk us through that? Yeah, sure. So when the robot is placed into the basket and is doing window cleaning, to add other cameras, hyperspectral cameras, to take image shots of the facade, because we're using LIDAR on the side of the building. So we're mapping the building anyway. And when we're doing that, we can take that called 3D model and then we can stitch in data on readings that we're getting from the building on whatever it is that we're trying to measure. So carbon is obviously something that we want to measure, you know, window cracks, which then allows for air to come out. We want to find that. So there's a lot of different inspection pieces that we're starting to work with the actual inspection, what do you call it, industry, to get a better understanding of, okay, hey, listen, what are the ESG goals that everyone is really looking after? And with this local law 97, Bloomberg had just had an article, and I want to say about a week ago, stating that in New York City, the real estate industry has a $900 million fine issue coming starting in 2025 because of all the new ESG standards. So my plan is to be able to, by 2025, to be able to have the ability to give the real estate owner a real action plan on how to get their ESG goals accomplished and what this is from the outside of the building and how we can help them measure it and then take actionable steps. Well, I can certainly see why you were so excited about this business. And I can see why investors are excited about this business, because it sounds like just the window cleaning alone is a massive market. But it also sounds like that barely touches the surface on what you really want to build here. I want to own the facade. So that's my goal. So whatever's going on on the outside of the building and whatever I can give in real data that it would be helpful for the building owners, for anyone, I'm up there anyway. So there's got to be, you know, if I'm collecting data, just tell me what to collect and I'll collect it for you because I'm there. And I think being there is the most important part to be able to give a developer and a building owner an understanding of their asset. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah. And listen, we're moved for us. Night cleaning, we can clean at night because we use LIDAR. So we believe that commercial cleaning for skyscrapers should be moved to nighttime. Just because when you think about the building, who wants to see window cleaners anyway? And especially in New York, when you've got these gorgeous buildings that people are spending, you know, thousands of dollars a square foot and you're seeing a bunch of people, you know, cleaning the windows. So if we can now do it at night, that it makes the experience for, you know, the tenants better. Makes complete sense. And with technology like yours, you know, what I kind of feel like is a lot of time in the media, you read about these R&D companies and they have, you know, cool videos that they show off and they say, look at, you know, what our technology is capable of doing someday. And it'll be, you know, coming in 2030 or coming in 2027. It's like, it's almost like very, very far out. And a lot Mm -hmm. of companies, I think, you know, end up, not really moving beyond that R&D phase because moving into commercialization is tough and it's not easy to do. What do you think you're getting right? And as you make this move into the market, 
what's top of mind for you? You know, like what do you have to nail to really get this right and, and win this market and, and bring this amazing technology into market? Yeah, great question. And again, I will tell you that what the board saw in Ross and I, who's my partner, was that we had experience. We've acquired companies. I've done turnarounds on companies through acquisitions. So we had the experience that was not there when the company was founded. So the founders were young and they were inexperienced and they had great energy and everything else, but understanding on how to build an ecosystem that doesn't exist and a model and thinking it through from, you know, cradle to grave. That's something that not many people can do. You really need to have a lot of smart people around you to do that. I would say that for us, the model that we've built is, I believe, the right model. I believe we are working with the industry. We're not coming in and dictating, hey, this is the way the technology works. You're going to have to adjust. We're coming in and we're saying, hey, we understand that you have a current infrastructure with a BMU and we understand that it's you know not the best, but that's what you've got. We have something that we can put into your BMU without having to do a change. And we're going to be able to clean your windows and we're going to be able to give you the health of your facade. That is, in a nutshell, what they're getting. So cool. Now, last question for you, Michael, before we wrap. So I know we've touched on it a little bit there of that big picture of vision, but let's zoom up here. Take us to five years from today. What does the company look like? So five years from today, I expect, because we're already in motion to do it, to be opened in the UK, Hong Kong, and Australia, and the UAE and Saudi Arabia. And obviously we're in the United States and we'll go across the United States, you know, hitting all the A markets like Chicago, Miami, you know, LA and, and Texas and so forth. But I think what you're going to see is that our technology is going to be very prevalent in new construction in the GCC market. There are projects going on like the Line and Neom that right now they've got the money and they have a plan. And right now, I think we're the only one that could possibly do what they want. So my hope is that with a couple deals closing this year in New York City on new construction, I believe that come five years down the road in the existing building environment, I believe that we'll have a thousand robots out there. New development takes longer. So new development, the numbers are much bigger, but but it's a longer timetable. So even if I get an order tomorrow, those buildings aren't being built till 25, 26. So we're in the total front of, you know, the funnel on these projects, which in the old window cleaning world, they're not even called until the building's fully built. So we're able to really get in early and develop it, design it, and then make it happen. So I, I think that you're going to see skyline in being able to be essential for the real estate market. Wow. Well, that's certainly a high point to end on. This is super exciting stuff, but we are up on time. So we're going to have to wrap here. Before we do, Michael, if people want to follow along with your journey as you continue to build here, where should they go? Well, I would go to www.skylinerobotics.com. You could follow me on LinkedIn, Michael Brown, Chairman, CEO of Skyline Robotics. And we're going to be having, you know, we've got 
some good PR and, you know, people like yourself that we're getting to talk to and, you know, get that message out. So, you know, you can reach out to me anytime and happy to talk. We currently on our website have a contact form. That's where we get all of our inquiries. We're averaging one inquiry a day from somewhere in the world. And one day I should send you the map everywhere in the world wants us. You know, it's just not feasible. Like, you know, I get a call from Germany and, you know, they have 19 buildings. That's <laughs> just not going to, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's not going to work today, but we'll get there. But yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's all very exciting. It's all great. This has been awesome. Michael, thanks so much for taking the time to share your story. Well, thank here you. About what you're building. Let's keep in touch. You got it. All right. Take care.